Is your money working as hard as it could be for your future? A decade ago, Robinhood changed the investment landscape when they pioneered commission-free stock trading. Today, they continue to offer innovative products to help users build a better financial future, like IRAs, ETFs, options for qualified traders, and much more. Take control of your financial future with Robinhood. Download the app or visit Robinhood.com to learn more. That's Robinhood.com. Disclosures. Investing involves risk. Other fees may apply. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIP. PC is a registered broker dealer. Good morning, Brew Daily Show. I am Neil Fryman. And I am Kelsey Sutton. On today's show, we are talking Barbie, Oppenheimer, and Barbenheimer. And Oppen Barbie. And Oppen Barbie, of course. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Kim Kardashian's skims and its new valuation. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about how one person who was victimized by McDonald's received financial compensation. It's Friday, July 21st. Let's ride. Kelsey, thank you for stepping in and joining us on this historic day in American entertainment history. I wouldn't miss this for the world, Neil. I'm so happy to be back. <laughs> uh, so you're with Marketing Brew and stepping in for Toby, who's gone somewhere in Idaho. Uh, he's hiding out. But today is obviously Barbenheimer, and I picked. I looked into my wardrobe and looked. It, you know, picked out the shirt that could possibly be closest in color to the hot pink Barbie, and I landed on this. I don't know what color it is, uh, but it is closer to pink than anything you're wearing, Kelsey. Yeah, and I didn't have a pinstripe suit to wear for Oppenheimer, so I really dropped the ball. I apologize for that. <laughs> it's okay, but thank you for joining us. Uh, we always have this Friday segment where I ask Toby. Was it a fast week or a slow week? Oh, well, so this is very interesting, Neil, because I have been on vacation until Did this morning. Until 4 a.m. this morning? Yeah, hard launch oh. back into working. That is the worst <laughs> coming back to work I've ever heard. Yeah, so it's been a slow, uh, enjoyable week uh, until now. And then this Friday has been Sped real it all fast. Up. Yeah. It was a fast week for me. Uh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you again. Wow. All right, let's get into our first story. This is the day we've all been waiting for. It's finally here. Barbenheimer. If you're not extremely online like we are and actually live a rich and fulfilling life away from your screen, Barbenheimer is the portmanteau given to the twin theatrical release of Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer about the development of the atomic bomb and Greta Gerwig's Barbie, which is about Barbie and has a star-studded cast. These wildly different movies hit screens in North America today. As one writer put it, this is Mattel meets mushroom cloud content, but it's been more explosive than anyone could have imagined. This odd couple has taken on a life of its own on the internet, becoming a pop culture sensation that spawned memes, merch, and people debating which order to see these movies in a double feature. Kelsey, you've been on the front lines observing the marketing around Barbenheimer for the past few months. So my first question for you is, how did this happen? Like, what just happened? We've all kind of accepted that Barbenheimer is a thing. But when you step back and think about it, it's kind of a cultural moment that doesn't come around often. Right. And I think the thing that's so fun about this is that I don't think that Christopher Nolan or uh, Greta Gerwig sort of could have foreseen this moment. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think that it's kind of rare, but we have had instances of these move of two vastly different movies mm -hmm. kind of coming out at the same time. Um, but ultimately, like credit is due to the internet, the people who yeah. don't live rich and fulfilling lives. <laughs> 
<laughs> or who do, but do it on, uh, you know, on, uh, on a laptop or on their phones. Um, just recognizing like what these two wildly, wildly different yeah. movies. And then wouldn't it be funny if, and it's not, it's also not just, wouldn't it be funny? It's like, this is a great moment for people who like film, right? right? Like, the, I mean, this summer has so many movies to choose from. And so this is kind of like the encapsulation of feeling like the box office is back, right? And so why not dress up and go watch you know, either the most devastating uh, three-hour film of all time uh, and then follow it by, you know, pink glitter or vice versa. So pick your poison. You said that people didn't see this coming. Maybe Greta Gerwig or Christopher Nolan didn't see this coming. But from many articles that I've read, they've quoting all of these marketing industry people and the CEO of Fandango being like, yeah, I knew it was going to be big as soon as they announced that both of them would happen on the same day. Like this was inevitable, blah, blah, blah. And you don't seem to agree with that. I think, I mean, it's it's a cultural moment. Like the movies themselves are going to be big, right? Because Christopher Nolan is such a big, I mean, so in the case of Oppenheimer, he's such a big director. There's so much, you know, excitement around his movies that with his name attached, right? Of course. And then Barbie is such a big, iconic brand. So I feel like separately you could have expected that they would have taken off. But this this amalgamation of both of them, mm-hmm. um, I think, is is one of those things that is kind of the unique joy of, like, internet culture. It's like, who knew? Who, who knew? Really, who knew? I, I think it's the power of these directors, at least in some part. Uh, you mentioned Christopher Nolan did Tenet, uh, Interstellar, The Dark Knight Trilogy, Memento, The Prestige. So he's got a great Rolodex. And then Greta Gerwig's kind of come out in the most recent years as this, you know, feminist icon with uh, Little Women and what else did she do? Lady Bird. Lady Bird, that's right. Yes. (laughs) Um, I haven't seen either of those, but she is kind of this cult hero uh, in, in film. So you wrote this article and the headline was Barbie was made for this moment. And so I'm wondering, like, why was Barbie made for this moment in particular, 2023 in the summer? So there are a few things that are all happening at once, Neil. And I think the first one is uh, the Barbie brand itself. Think about it. Like, close if you're like, okay, what is Barbie? It's not just a doll. It's not just a like, it's not just hot pink. It's just kind of like a vibe. There's not like a particular story or a particular thing. It's very amorphous. And Mm -hmm. so that lends itself to being kind of malleable for all these different ways, right? You could have like a Barbie shirt. You could have Barbie rollerblades. You could have a Barbie rug. You could have a Barbie this, a Barbie that. And it's all very like uh, visual and, and, just kind of perfectly suited for like Instagram and TikTok and like so so the brand itself is like I think perfectly designed for 2023 right like we love like people are just like ooh pink ooh like color ooh look at this thing like it's just it's like immediately satisfying that um that Instagram id <laughs> you know what i mean but then beyond that like the the this this moment for the 
U.S. box office, it is such a big moment. Um, you know, the the movie industry has been so hammered by COVID the past couple of years, and we've always been kind of waiting for this return to normal, this return to normal, this return to normal. And like Barbie is kind of arriving in the, we mm. finally have this m moment of normalcy. People feel super comfortable going to theaters, uh, studios are releasing lots of movies. So like, it's kind of these, it's kind of this force, um, together. Like the Barbie brand is like, just, it's just fun. It's nostalgic. And that's a whole other element, right? Like nostalgia is, I feel like everywhere. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, remember this from the nineties, mm -hmm. Y2K, like all these little micro trends, like again, can all be Barbie-fied very easily because Barbie is not like a specific moment in time. It's just kind of this, again, like this blob, this pink blob that can be yeah. formed to anything you need it to be. And then again, people are also really excited to go to movies. So they're like, what is this what is this movie even going to be about? Right. Like, that was a big question. They did the trailers were did a great job of not telling you anything, unlike many other movie trailers where it's it tells you exactly what's happening. Right. So people, there's also like this curiosity gap. People are like, wait, what is this movie even going to be about? And yeah, what's one really good way to find out is to go to the movies and find out what it's going to be. So I think that there's that element too that really works in this film's favor. Do you think there's anything to sort of the subversive political undertone? of Barbie? Is it just the surface level, um, you know, pink and fun and nostalgic and going back to my childhood? Or is the Greta Gerwig, I'm re we're reclaiming Barbie to be this feminist icon playing into it? Or do you think that's kind of maybe reading a little bit too much into why people are interested in this movie? No, I think that's definitely why people are interested because they're like, how can this, how is this going to be Greta Gerwig applied? Yeah. Right? Like, what is this going to look like? And I have not seen the film yet I will be seeing it so you know who knows right and so that again that's kind of the element it's like what is she what is this director you know who who I mean Little Women's an amazing movie you should definitely I see do it. want to see it. um but okay. like you know what is she doing with this with this piece of IP right and I think that's again people are like they have to know. They have to know. Speaking of IP, uh, I've seen approximately maybe 50 trillion LinkedIn posts <laughs> praising the Barbie marketing team for its, you know, all out assault on licensing deals and just getting Barbie everywhere ahead of this movie. So I'm wondering, is there anything that marketing you know, professionals can learn when they're promoting the next movie that comes out? Um, or is this just kind of lightning in a bottle that they're, they, you know, these Barbie people were dealt the best hand possible just because you said this is a, the moment for Barbie to thrive? So I think there are a few things. One of them is just like the power of being unmissable. Like mm. if you, unless you have fully lived under a rock for the last four months, like you know that there's, that this movie is coming. Like it is, it is like in the atmosphere. <laughs> there's so much. And the way that they've been able to do that is because they did all these partnerships um, with uh, different brands. Yeah. So, I mean, I could just list them off, but like, you know, apparel brands, uh, home decor brands, you know, makeup brands, Xbox has a Barbie console, right? It's, it's literally everywhere. And so that really stretches like the, again, barbification of 2023. Like you can see, 
you could just see it everywhere you look, um, even if you're not necessarily like a traditional, like, I don't know, like there might be like a very specific segment of someone who's like, I'm definitely going to be targeted with Barbie stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there's this like this um, extension of just, again, through all these like brand partnerships. So I think that that's like the power of it, because there are so few moments where like culturally there is like alignment and yeah. uni unity on something. Um, but then again, there's like the magic of the, of Barbenheimer, right? Which is, I don't you think. You can't predict. Right. You can't predict it and you just have to run with it. Right. And I think that it's going to be really interesting to see, um, how Oppenheimer does too, because we've we talked about this a little before the show started, but the, these uh, double these double features, Oppenheimer's, uh, I believe that they have projected it's it's actually going to be more than what was initially initially projected again because of this Barbenheimer effect. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see like is this a halo effect just affecting uh, who does it affect or does somebody go see Barbie and then go see the new Mission Impossible movie like right. it could have a halo effect for a lot of films. I think that's the goal of these kind of things is that it's a one plus one equals three scenario which is why you see Tom Cruise taking Instagram pictures saying holding up tickets to Barbie and Oppenheimer saying like I'm going to go to both of these movies and then each of the stars of Oppenheimer Oppenheimer and Barbie are, have sort of promoted their films in conjunction with other ones. And I think it is, this is the definition of synergy. It's why car dealerships all locate on the same road. It's because people are going to the movies, they might see more than one, or they might go back the next day and see the other one. It's why there's a bunch of trailers for movies in front of other movies. So I think this is a halo effect that is going to lift all boats here. And this is a tried and true strategy from Hollywood for decades. There have been a lot of this, what's known as counter programming, where you put maybe a kid's movie next to an action movie so the dad can go see the action movie, the kid can go see uh, the kid movie. Uh, one of my favorite ones is, uh, is known as The Dark Mama. And 15 years ago, Christopher Nolan had The Dark Knight, and it came out the same day as Mamma Mia. So those are two very different movies. It was the same July weekend, uh, and The Dark Knight kind of obliterated uh, Mamma Mia. And then another famous counter-programming example was Pitch Perfect 2 and Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> so you can <laughs> to see- To me, those it, are the same movie. <laughs> those are the same movie, but for, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't get the explosive virality of Barbenheimer, but studios have been coordinating and doing this for a while because they think, you know, the more options people have, it's not necessarily putting movies in competition with one another. It's, you know, generating value across the spectrum. Yeah, but I think that it's interesting because in those instances, it was really like, which one are you going to see? And this weekend, it's like, I'm seeing both. Maybe. <laughs> you know, a lot of, I think that the, I think that AMC said that they've seen um, tens of thousands 40, of sales. 40,000. I don't know if that's a lot or a little, though. I guess it's more than zero. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I think, you know, Hard I don't know how many people are actually going to see both. Whenever I ask around the office, I mean, that's been the main topic of conversation. What are you going to see? I've only heard people say, I'm going to see one or the other. I haven't, I haven't heard any double bills. So I'm a little skeptical that people are actually seeing. It's a long time to spend in a movie. I mean, Barbie's definitely over two hours. Oppenheimer's three hours. I think Oppenheimer's also limited by the fact that it can only be seen, not, it cannot only be seen, but a lot of people want to see it in IMAX because Christopher Nolan shot it on the best camera possible for movies in history, the seven millimeter, 70 millimeter IMAX film. And there's only 30 theaters in the entire world 
that you can see this at its you know peak quality. And I want to do that. So, and I was looking at the Lincoln Square AMC, which has one of only 19 screens in the United States that shows, you know, uh, Oppenheimer at 70 millimeters. And I couldn't get a showing until August 8th. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's a great, great sign for, for Oppenheimer. It's a good sign, but it might limit their ticket sales. It might also boost the cost per ticket, certainly. Um, so we'll just have to see. I mean, if you look at what the projections are, Barbie is expected to reach at least 90 million this weekend in North America, and Oppenheimer is supposed to come in at 60 million, which makes sense. Oppenheimer is fewer screens, bigger, you know, rated R, maybe less appeal, a little darker. But we're going to have to leave it at there. Uh, great discussion about Barbenheimer. Let us know uh, what you're going to see or what, uh, what order you're going to see it in. The correct answer is Barbie, Oppenheimer. No. Oppenheimer than Barbie. Yeah, you need a palate cleanser after Oppenheimer, I think. Yeah. All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break. All right, Neil, I want to talk to you about a celebrity brand, uh, Shocker, uh, which is Kim Kardashian's Skims, which is now worth, do you want to guess? I mean, I know. I'm not going to. I'm so bad at acting. They would never <laughs> cast me in Oppenheimer or Barbie because uh, I'm just a terrible actor. It's $4 It's billion. $4 billion. It's $4 billion. <laughs> um, they raised, uh, Skins has raised $270 million in a new funding round. Um, I want to talk to you about this, Neil, because I think that Skims, it, Skims is one of those few examples. There are so many celebrity brands. So many. Yeah. And there's this one is such a huge, huge uh, success. Yeah. So uh, the Skims chief executive said that the company is now on track, uh, is now profitable and is on track to make $750 million in sales this year, uh, which is up uh, from $500 million in 2022. Of a lot of its sales are online mm -hmm. and because it started as a DTC brand, but now it's expanding into physical retail, which is honestly as smart a, as anything as all get out. <laughs> um, and there, you know, we've seen this before, right? A DTC brand says, okay, we're expanding, which oh, yeah. is harder than it sounds, I think is also a big takeaway here, but the power of Kim Kardashian so I want to hear what your thoughts are here with with uh, just the success of this brand. Have you heard of Skims? Yes. Do well, you own I, any Skims? Not yet, but they are expanding into men, and I don't know. You know, Lululemon successfully did it. I don't know if Kim Kardashian get men to buy her stuff, but uh, I would guess yes. I remember when this first launched, and it was called Kimono a few years ago, and. Kim was accused of massive cultural appropriation. So uh, she went back to the drawing board and then came back with Skims. And then all of a sudden I blink and it's worth $4 billion, which is more than twice as much as Victoria's Secret. This is really the crown jewel in her business portfolio. And she has so many businesses. But all of a sudden we wake up and we, and we see the paper and we see that Skims is worth $4 billion. And we're like, what is going on? Like, this is a massive company. And, you know, it had, it's plotting expansion, which is obviously easier said than done. We've looked at a lot. We've seen a lot of apparel brands kind of flounder when they have their core product and then they try to get into more things and then people don't end up wa wanting it. I'm thinking of Allbirds, which is completely floundered after it went, you know, try to expand beyond sneakers. But I think they're doing this the right way. Uh, they're opening up, like you said, flagship stores in L.A. and New York. 
th- those are going to be overrun, right? Well, I, I can only imagine because, again, the power of the power of the brand as it's associated with Kim, right? Like people are flocking to that also in celeb brands. Selena Gomez, uh, who has a beauty brand called Rare Beauty, is selling uh, $70 million of blush a year, according to Bloomberg. Um, And I think that this is so interesting because, again, like, so so her brand is on pace to triple sales from last year. um, But they've really kind of zigged a little bit where a lot of other uh, celebrity beauty brands have have zagged. So so a lot of celeb beauty brands in particular, they come out and they're like, oh, my gosh, look at this, like special edition makeup palette, Mm -hmm. whatever. Kind of these like gimmicky sort of things in rare beauty has really kind of focused on almost like the state. Um, and it's relatively uh, affordable. Um, and so that, again, is like one of these examples of a, of a success. Um, I could rattle off some of the failures, um, especially in the, in the beauty, yeah. celeb beauty brand space. So Kristen Bell shut down her skincare line. Uh, Addison Ray from TikTok uh, had, uh, had something with uh, Sephora. And Ariana Grande had a makeup line, and that I think is was kind of sold off yeah. to in parts. So you know, it's, it's not it's not a guarantee. Just because you have 500 million Instagram followers doesn't mean you can create a physical product. And it, I think both Kim and Selena are show, we're on a first name basis. Kim and Selena <laughs> are showing that you need to have actual quality behind it, so much quality that it might even be life saving. Because did you see the woman who credited wearing Skims? with saving her life. She was shot four times, and she said that the bodysuit that she was wearing from Skims kept her from bleeding out. And if that doesn't get you to buy one, I don't know what will, ultimately. Kim Kardashian, (laughs) Skims to the moon. Uh, It's going to IPO probably soon, and yeah, I'm going to get on on that on day one. Speaking of stocks, let's head to our Friday segment, Stock of the Week, Dog of the Week, where we bring you one stock that soared and another that tumbled. Remember, we are not financial advisors, so don't take this as investment advice. In fact, I'm just awful at giving advice across the board. So let's start out with our stock of the week, which is down on its luck used car dealer Carvana. Its shares are up 27% this week after it released better than expected profits and restructured its massive debt load to wipe $1.2 billion off its books. Carvana is still reeling from higher interest rates and a down used car market, but this debt restructuring at least allows it to survive, which wasn't always a guarantee. Uh, Carvana is nowhere near the heights it achieved during the pandemic when there were no cars available and everyone was scooping up secondhand vehicles. But the stock is up over 900% year to date. Uh, To sum this up, Carvana will exist for a little bit longer and that gives investors hope that it may be a sustainable business in the long term. Yeah, going from bad to a little bit less bad. <laughs> so we'll take it. Yeah, and and right now there's uh, kind of a slump in used car prices. I remember we, Toby and I were talking about the CPI, the inflation report, a few weeks ago, um, which showed that used prices were down, which you wouldn't think was good for Carvana. Carvana really benefited from when all used prices, uh, used car prices went through the moon uh, in 2021. But the CEO said, look, we're, we may not not sell as much per car, but we're going to be able to push more volume through, and that overall will be good for our business. 
We'll see. Uh, it's definitely what's called a lottery stock right now because it's so far down and you just have no idea whether this company is going to survive. So you can either make a lot of money uh, on Carvana stock or you will just completely lose it all. There's maybe no in between, just kind of like the lottery. Um, so let's move on. Plot twist. There wasn't a compelling dog of the week because that was probably Tesla or Netflix, which both fell and we covered in yesterday's show. So let's run it back with another stock of the week. And that is the Atlanta Braves. Yes. MLB team, the Atlanta Braves. This week, uh, the best team in the league also became the first you can buy a share in after parent company Liberty Media split it off and listed shares on Wednesday. The idea is that carving out the Braves will unlock more value and also make a potential sale in the future more seamless. Kelsey, are you scooping up some Brave stock? I think, pretty nasty. I think this is so interesting to buy to like what a different way to engage with your yeah. favorite sports team is you're like no I'm I'm actually I'm financially <laughs> invested in this other than I bet my buddy 20 bucks as, if, we pe as if people weren't already <laughs> always angry about sports in the first place if your team loses and you're like well I have stock in them but there, it's not the first sports team to be listed publicly there's a lot of European soccer teams like Manchester United and Juventus that are publicly listed and it is kind of funny to watch their stock price fluctuate with their win-loss record and if they get accepted into the major tournaments you can buy like Blue Jays stock uh, Toronto Blue Jays but that's through its owner Rogers Communications and also the Knicks and the Yankees you can buy through Madison Square Garden Sports Corporation something like that so there is ways to you know engage financially with your favorite sports team but this is kind of the first real MLB team you can own a share in. So yeah, I'm a Phillies fan. So I'm definitely, I'm shorting the Braves. But they're really good. <laughs> Liberty Media also kind of under the radar, but a huge company. Uh, they own the Braves and also Sirius XM and maybe the crown jewel in their portfolio, which is Formula One. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Neil, we're going to finish out the show with a little bit of uh, legal discussion, uh, which is a jury has awarded $800,000 in damages to a four-year-old uh, who received second-degree burns from a chicken McNugget a few years ago. Um, so a few things that are interesting here. So the lawyers for the family had argued that $15 million was oh. what what they were, were going for. That's a low ball. Um, and the girl is now eight years old, and she has a scar uh, remaining on her inner thigh. Um, so here's the thing that's super interesting. This is reminiscent of, for some of you younger listeners, maybe you were not alive for this, but there was an infamous case in 1994, the McDonald's coffee case. There was a lawsuit in a, uh, an uh, older woman got third degree burns, horrific. I don't know if you've seen these photos. Don't, you can look them up on the internet, but she spilled a cup of coffee on her lap and was, had to get like skin grafts, third degree burns on her thighs. And so she, uh, McDonald's was ordered to pay her $3 million. Uh, it was later reduced. I think she got less than $500,000. Um, but that case in 1994 kind of created this concept of like, 
excessive lit- uh, litigation. As, no, like get it. so the the coffee case like sort of was just like interchangeable with like oh they're like people will sue over everything da 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 and this case is so <laughs> reminiscent of that in you know in in so many ways. I do want to emphasize that this girl got second degree burns okay. which is not like just a it's not like, oh, that was hot. Like, that's very hot. But I'm not, I mean, it just. <laughs> uh, we don't always take McDonald's side, but I am very curious what law McDonald's broke. I I guess. Too hot too nuggets? <laughs> the nuggets they, were too hot. Their defense Neil. was that it, I'd rather it be too hot than too cold and everyone gets salmonella. Well. I can see that being a safety violation, obviously, but. Uh, this is ridiculous. I wonder if it just this is absurd. straight out of the uh, fryer. Let's go to McDonald's. <laughs> We're ordering a thousand nuggets, throwing them all in our lap and seeing, I would take a second degree burn for 800K. I mean, look. I would take a third degree burn. I mean, somewhere on my body. I don't know if I would, there would be some off limits places. All right. We have to wrap it up there. Uh, hope everyone has a wonderful Friday. Thanks again for waking up early and joining us, Kelsey. Uh, your Barbenheimer takes were excellent. If you want to write in and let us know what order you plan to see Barbenheimer in, our email is morningbrewdaily at morningbrew.com. Emily Milliron is our editor and producer. Samantha Velas and Raymond Liu are our associate producers. Yuchenawa Ogu is our technical director. Billy Menino is on audio. Hair and makeup took the entire day off to see Barbie Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer again before finishing the night with Barbie. Devin Emery is our chief content officer and our show is a production of Morning Brew. 